Well, I'm excited to continue our series tonight called Follow. We kicked it off last week. And this series, you've probably guessed it, is about following Jesus. We think Jesus is a really big deal around here. In fact, our mission statement around here is to inspire people to follow Jesus. And the whole idea behind this series is that we live in a culture where the idea of follow is very, very prevalent. But we live in a world that has completely redefined what it means to follow. That we can, because of social media, we can follow people. It's a very fluid concept. You can follow ideas. You can follow organizations. You can follow whoever it is you want to follow. You can follow people you know and people you don't know. But it's so fluid. It's seasonal. There's no commitment because just as easily as you follow, you can also unfollow. And while this world and this culture has redefined what it means to follow, in some ways it's also cheapened what it means to follow. Or at least it's cheapened what Jesus meant when he said follow. So while the world around us, not in a bad way, but while the world around us has redefined in some ways what it means to follow people, um, we want to recapture what Jesus meant when he invited his initial disciples to follow, and what Jesus means when he extends the invitation to you and to me to follow. And so that's what this series is about, recapturing the power of the invitation that changed the world. Follow me. Now, uh, to get where I wanna go tonight, I want you to imagine a situation with me, okay? I want you to imagine a situation with me. This situation, this, this, this scenario that I'm about to describe you did not happen although it very well could happen, but it didn't happen. Uh, But one of the responsibilities when me and my wife, Julie, got married was to plan and book the honeymoon. And actually, this is crazy. Uh, Today's my wife's birthday, so that's fun. Um, Yeah, uh, we can do that. You know what? Actually, let's do something even crazier. Um, I know this is going live to the internet, but I don't care. Um, Can we, she's gonna have no idea, this is gonna be awesome. Can we on three say happy birthday, Julie? Really, really quick, as loud as you can. Um, Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, girl, if you heard that, I'm thinking about you while I preach. Okay, um, I'm gonna be like, hey, babe, I really want you to listen to my message. And then, um, or she'll think this was really stupid. Anyway, so, um, I love her. Uh, so imagine, so my response, one of my responsibilities when we were planning our wedding was I had to plan and book the honeymoon. It was one thing that I did. That was true. But I want you to imagine this scenario. Imagine she came up to you and said, Sam, I want you to plan and book the honeymoon. And I'm like, cool. Imagine she comes back to me a week later, and she says, Samer, did you plan and book the honeymoon? And I respond, did I, did I plan and book the honeymoon? No, ah, babe, I didn't, but I'll tell you what. I spent so much time memorizing exactly what you said to me. Like, babe, like, I wrote it on a note card, and like, I put it on my mirror, and I put it like on my speedometer, on my dash, so every time I turned that blinker on, girl, I thought about what you said And I can, in fact, I can say it to you right now from memory without even thinking. You said, Samer, plan and book the honeymoon. Boom. Like, I I, I think about it all day. I memorize, did I do it? No, but I memorize it. How cool is that? She'd slap me. (laughs) And she'd say, Samer, go plan and book the honeymoon. Imagine she comes back a week later. And she's like, Samer, did you you plan and book the honeymoon? And imagine I'm like, did I I do it? No, but babe, I got to tell you. I like, I started highlighting all the key words in the sentence that you said. Did you know how many different meanings honeymoon has? It's unbelievable. And I like translated it back into the original Greek language, you know, and like I did all these things. I did this study. I even, this is crazy. I even found other things that you said to me and I like connected this one thing that you said to me. It's amazing how similar you sound. I mean, babe, did I do it? But no, I understand what you said in a whole brand new way. It was unbelievable. 
She slapped me again. And she said, go plan and book the honeymoon. Imagine she comes back a week later. She's like, Sam, did you plan and book the honeymoon? And imagine I said, did I do it? No, but babe, I had this incredible experience. I invited three of my friends over, my best friends. And we started talking about what you said. And it was so real and so raw, so emotional. We lit candles and we did communion. And then, and then one of the guys, he started singing a song on his guitar about the words that you said. Like it was so powerful. And then he got emotional and I got emotional. And it was just such a cool moment. It was like, oh, it was just, man, it was so, so cool. It was so, did I do it? No, but we, we, we really unpacked it in community. It was so awesome. She would drop kick me in the throat. And then go plan and book the honeymoon herself. Now, as ridiculous as that scenario sounds, and as ridiculous as that is, and how funny it is to laugh at, come on. Isn't it so true that that's exactly what we do when we think about following Jesus sometimes? That for you and for me, when we think about following Jesus, there's a lot to love about Jesus. And there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Jesus, but when the rubber meets the road about actually doing what he's called us to do, sometimes there's a little bit of hesitancy. Here's what I've learned is that we, and including myself, are quick to admire Jesus, but we're slow to apply what he taught. What's not to love about Jesus? I mean, the guy's incredible. We love to talk about Jesus if you're a Jesus follower in the room. You come to TLR and we love to worship, worship Jesus and we sing songs to Jesus. Somebody raise your hands and, we, and we're worshiping Jesus and that's awesome. And we love the grace that Jesus gives us. I mean, come on, what's not to love about Jesus? Here's what's true and here's what I wanna talk about for a few minutes tonight, that it is easy to follow Jesus as Savior, but it's a lot harder to obey him as Lord. I mean, who doesn't want a Savior, right? I, I do. Man, grace extended to me over all my sin, past, present, and future? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, love that redeems, love that restores, love that came to save me and us? Of course. Yeah, give me all the Savior I can get. And without it, without it, don't get me wrong, without it, we need every bit of Savior that Jesus has because without it, we got a lackluster life here on earth and we've got an eternity separated from God, uh, you know, after this life is over. Like, yeah, yeah, I need Jesus to be Savior, but we all love Jesus as Savior and it's easy to follow Jesus as Savior, but look, but Lord too? Ah. Like, like Lord over my life? Lord over my heart? Lord over my relationships, Lord over my finances, Lord over my future, Lord over my decision-making process, Lord over my hopes, Lord over my dreams, Lord over what I desire, surrendering all that I am to you as Lord and saying to you, you get everything, that's a little bit harder, isn't it? That for Jesus to be Lord is to completely change our decision-making criteria that when we're making decisions and we're living life, we're not looking at it through the lens of what I want and what I think is best, but for Jesus to be Lord, we are making decisions through the lens of what Jesus says, what Jesus taught, and what Jesus thinks is best, whether or not we agree with him. Come on, it's easy to worship Jesus as Savior, but if we're just being really, really honest, 
one of the hardest things about following Jesus and maybe one of the things that's kept you from being fully committed to following Jesus is that he's, asked, he's also asked us to follow him as Lord. Lord over your life and Lord over my life. That we want a savior, but we don't always want a Lord. We want a savior that forgives us. We want a savior that saves us. We want a savior that extends grace to us, but we don't want someone telling us how to live. We don't want someone lording over our lives. And for so many of you, for so many of you, and just let me be very, very clear for just a second. Um, what I'm not talking about tonight is salvation. I'm talking about when you become a Jesus follower and you're convinced that he is savior, that for so many of us, we walk around kind of like this, like, yeah, okay, Jesus, you can, have, you can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I don't, I don't wanna obey here. I don't, I don't wanna obey. I'm gonna do my own thing here. Yeah, yeah, you're savior, but I don't really need you to be Lord. And I just, from, this is kind of one of the, the tension that I want to unpack tonight for you and for me is this, is that your decisions are more truthful than your words. That your decisions and the way that you live your life is more truthful than your words. My buddy Miles, who I talk about quite often, he just preached a message a couple of weeks ago and the way that he said this was decisions don't lie. We were talking about this on the phone yesterday. Same thing, your decisions don't lie. Any basketball players in the house? Y'all remember, yeah, okay, y'all remember on the basketball court, it's still a thing that if there was a foul and you're like, ah, I don't know if that was a foul or not, or I don't know if he stepped out or not, What's the, what's the call? Ball doesn't lie, right? Ball don't lie. Yeah, it's the most irrational way to make a decision. It doesn't make any sense. If the ball goes in, then you are right. If the ball goes, if it doesn't go in, if you miss the shot, then, then, then you were wrong and it's their ball. It's really, really dumb, but here's the idea. Decisions don't lie. Your decisions don't lie. That your decisions, I'm telling you, and you know this, you know this. Your decisions are more truthful than your words. Your words can lie. Your decisions cannot. You know this. That you and I can talk all we want, say all that we want, talk about and express all the things that we believe about Jesus. But if our decisions and our directions are not lining up with who Jesus is, that says more about you and who is Lord over your life than anything that will come out of your mouth. Because your decisions, they're more truthful than your words. They're more honest than your words. They're more telling than your words. And Jesus actually unpacks this very tension for us in the Gospel of Luke. He's talking to a bunch of his disciples, not just the 12, like he's talking to a bunch of them, like a whole heap, hundreds of them, I don't know how many, but there's a bunch of people following Jesus. And he says this, he asks this question, and it's so piercing, and it cuts straight to the heart, like Jesus isn't messing around. He says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, but you ignore what I teach? This idea of Lord is describing somebody that has a position of authority in your life, somebody that you revere, someone, someone that you respect in your life. And he's saying, why do you say I hold this particular position in your life, yet you do not live like it? Why do you claim with your words and with your songs that I hold this particular place in your life, yet you do not do what I say. You do not apply what I teach. And that double Lord, Lord is meant, to, is meant to communicate an emotional expression, an outward expression. Why do you outwardly express with all you are that I am Lord, that I am Lord, I am Lord, and you do not do what I say. 
You come in and you sing and you sing and we sing and we sing, yet you do not do what I say. We Instagram things about God with pictures that have nothing to do with what the verse or the caption was about, and we're all about outward expression. Yet your life does not line up with what Jesus taught. Or there's one area of your life that you're acting like you can hide from Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet you do not do what I say? Here's what Jesus is saying, that your decisions are more truthful than your words. That the way that you live your life, the direction of your life is more truthful than what you claim with your lips. Another way to say it is how you behave says a lot more about what you believe than what you just say you believe. And again, let me be very clear. I'm not talking about behaving your way into the gospel. You can't earn your way into grace. That's not what I'm saying. Once you step into grace, once you put Jesus on the throne of your life, and once you say, I want to follow him, and you're convinced that you've been saved only by grace, then and only then this applies. That how you behave says a lot more about what you believe about Jesus as Lord over your life than what you merely say you believe. Jesus' words, not mine. So why do you call me Lord? Yet you do not do what I say. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. We believe that Jesus was God. We believe that Jesus came into this world to die a death for you and for me, to die a death that we deserved. So Jesus, he came into this world and he could demand whatever he wanted. Like if Jesus wanted us to obey him just because he felt like it, then we would do it because when somebody dies, comes back to life three days later and he called the whole thing before it happened, I think we should just listen to whatever he says. Like Jesus as God could demand worship, he could demand anything from us and of us, and he could just say, hey, obey me and do what I say, period. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Jesus does something for us that he doesn't have to do. He asks us this piercing question of why we say that you have this place in our lives, yet we do not do what you say. But then he says, he goes on to tell us, and we're gonna look at it in just a second, why we should do what he says. He's actually going to go on to show you and me that it is actually in our best interest to do what he says. He doesn't owe us an explanation. That's one of the beautiful things about Jesus. He's going to give you one, and he's going to give me one anyway. He goes on. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. That the person who hears what I say, takes in what I say, and actually applies it to their life, they are like a man or woman, okay? A man, a person, a human being, building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Jesus here is saying, hey, for those of you that listen to what I say, actually apply what I have taught you to your, apply what I've taught to your life, to every area of your life. You know what you are like? You are like a builder that built his house on a solid rock foundation. What Jesus is describing here is a wise builder, a wise person. This is a matter of wisdom. 
Because it does not take rocket science to understand that Construction 101, anytime you're building something, the most important part of the structure is the foundation. Because the structure or the house is only as, 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 as valuable as the, val the foundation on which it is built upon. Because if the foundation is bad, then the house is bad. If the foundation is bad, the building will not last. And he says, the person that takes what I hear and actually does something with it, doesn't just with their breath outwardly express what they believe, but actually lives it with conviction in their life. They are like a wise person that built their house on a solid rock foundation. They did the hard work. They dug deep. They asked the difficult questions, and they built their life on a foundation that will last. Here's what Jesus is saying. That if you want your life, if you want your life to reflect somebody who built their house on a solid foundation, listen and apply. Like if you want your life to reflect somebody that built their house on a solid foundation that will not be shaken, don't just hear it, but actually do something with it. That if you want your relationships to reflect somebody that built their house on a solid foundation and not just up and down and full of a lot of regrets and a lot of mistakes, then listen and apply. That if you want your future marriage for some of you, some of y'all are like, yeah, that was supposed to be yesterday. Um, if you want your future marriage to reflect somebody that built a house on a solid foundation, that you don't want your marriage to be another statistic, you wanna be the best possible version of yourself for whoever it is that you're gonna marry, then you listen and apply to what Jesus taught. That if you want your finances to reflect somebody who built their house on a solid foundation, that you don't just listen to what Jesus said about money. You don't just think, oh, that's cute. Yeah, it shouldn't be Lord over me, whatever. No, 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 you listen and apply that nothing should have hold on your life like money often does. If you want your life to reflect someone who built their house on a solid foundation, listen and apply. If you want to date in a way that keeps you healthy even after the breakup is over, Jesus would say listen and apply. If you want your habits to reflect someone who has built their life on a solid foundation, listen and apply. If you want your hopes and your dreams to not be shaken by what the world might throw at you, he says listen and apply. If you want your identity to be rooted in something that will never demean or diminish your value, he says, listen and apply. If you want your decisions, if you want your purity to reflect someone who's built their life on a solid foundation, listen and apply. That taking sin seriously like Jesus took sin seriously is somebody who is building their house on a solid foundation. He says, listen and apply. The person that doesn't just listen, the person that doesn't just outwardly express, know, but the person that actually does something with what Jesus said is building a life for themselves that is built on a solid rock foundation. That not only are your decisions better, but no matter what you face and what you experience and what you do or don't get, excuse me, <clears throat> whatever you do or don't get, you are, have built your life on a foundation that will last. But he goes on. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, 
The one that just says, Lord, Lord, but does not obey. Remember last week we talked about the three stages of kind of being a disciple. You got those that are curious, then those that are convinced, but then there's that next level, those are committed. The people that are just convinced but never get to the stage of commitment or the people that think they're fully convinced but they're kind of trying to play this game with Jesus where they're holding back one area of their life. Whoever hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Another translation of ground that we see in the Gospel of Matthew is sand, dirt. And what Jesus is saying is that for the person, for the person that hears what I say, for the person that listens to what I say, but they don't do anything with it. They are like a person that builds their house on a foundation of sand. That for the wise builder is someone who builds their house on a solid foundation. Jesus here is describing a foolish builder. That there is no builder in their right mind that would build a foundation for a house on sand. It doesn't make any sense. You know it doesn't make any sense. But for me and for you, whenever we say yes to our own way and choosing to ignore the things that Jesus taught, here's what you're doing with your life. You're building your life and you're building your future on a foundation that will not last, on a foundation that will never be level, on a foundation that's gonna be full of a lot of regret, on a foundation that's gonna need a lot of cleanup. And I'm telling you, you wanna ruin your relationships? Ignore what Jesus taught about love and humility and build your life on a foundation that's not going to last. You wanna, you wanna set your future marriage up to fail? Go ahead and do your own thing and live your own way and build your house on a foundation that's not going to last. Do you wanna be ruled by your finances and ruled by your money? Okay, do you wanna chase after the things of this world no matter what the cost? Do you wanna chase a salary and a really, really big house one day no matter what the expense? Okay, that's fine, you can do that no matter what it costs you, that's fine, but I'm telling you, you're gonna be building your house on a foundation that will not last. You wanna ignore all that Jesus taught about the importance of, 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 of avoiding sexual immorality and pursuing sexual integrity and treating others with honor and treating others with respect. You can ignore all that. What you're gonna do is you're gonna mess up future intimacy with your wife. You're gonna hurt a lot of people along the way as you mess up dating them. Yeah, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna build your house. You're gonna build your life. You're gonna build your future on a foundation that will not last. You want your hopes to be crushed whenever life doesn't work out the way that you want. That's what happens when you build your hopes on something that will not last. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, if you ignore what I say, you're gonna be building your life. You're gonna be building your future on a foundation that cannot carry it, on a foundation that will one day, he says, lead to destruction. Now listen, Jesus isn't threatening anybody. This isn't a threat. This isn't like a, a Christian version of the three little pigs, I'm gonna blow your house down. He's not threatening you. He's just telling you how it is. He's not even saying that he's gonna blow your house down. No, 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 he's saying you're gonna blow your house down. I'm going to blow my house down because you and I would be the ones that have built it on a foundation that will not last. 
He's not threatening you. He's just saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if you build your life on what you think is best, if you build your life on your desires, on your will, on what you want in the moment, ignoring my way, I'm just telling you what's going to be happen, what's going to happen. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus isn't trying to rip you off. He's trying to keep you from destruction. Jesus doesn't want something from you in this moment. He's trying to get something for you. And that thing that he wants for you is a foundation that will last. This is what Jesus wants for you. He doesn't want this for you. And notice, this does not represent a perfect life. What I'm not saying is you start applying the things of Jesus and it's like, oh man, I'm going to get married, I'm going to get rich, and like everything's going to be awesome, and my, my, my follow solid foundations, hammer, those cinder blocks look really, really strong. I'm not saying your life's going to be perfect. Notice, in both scenarios, the storm came. Do you notice that? In both scenarios, hardship came. In both scenarios, difficulty came. In both scenarios, temptation came. In both scenarios, life didn't go the way that anybody would want it to go. A storm came, difficulty came, life did not go as it was expected. Tragedy came, one of the houses stood strong, the other led to destruction. Jesus is saying, your life's not gonna be perfect but if you build your life on the foundation of who I am and what I've taught, if you build your life on the foundation that I am Savior and Lord and begin to apply the things that I have taught to your life and to your relationships, I'm telling you that no matter what you face, you're gonna be okay. No matter what you experience, you're gonna make it through and you're gonna get through life with a lot less regret you're going to get through your college experience with a lot less regret. You're going to have a greater intimacy with your heavenly father. You're going to have a faith that continues to grow. You're going to have a wisdom that continues to grow with you. You'll have built your life on a foundation that will last. Here's what I don't want you to do. And here's what Jesus doesn't want you to do. That I don't want you to make the wrong thing the foundational thing. Don't let the wrong thing become the foundational thing. Because you get to choose what you build the foundation of your life on. You get to pick. You get to choose what you are building it on. And I'm telling you, when you've built your hope on the fact that Jesus rose from the grave rather than a relationship that could end tomorrow, you're building your life on a foundation that will last. When your hope is in the fact that Jesus is with you no matter what, and that he's got you no matter where you are, rather than a hope for a job that you have or want to get that you might not get, I'm telling you, you're building your foundation on a rock that will last. That when you love and, 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 and step into any relationship with humility and love the way that Jesus taught us to step into relationships with love and humility, you're going to have really, really healthy and mutually life-giving relationships. You're going to date in a way, imagine this, you're going to date in a way to where even if you break up, you can both still be okay. Imagine that. But if you just seek after what you want, the desires that you want, the sex that you, you want, the things that you want from that person, I'm telling you, you're building your life on a foundation that's going to lead to a lot of pain and a lot of regret. That when your identity and when your security is rooted in who Jesus is, is rooted in what he did for you on the cross, 
rather than in a thing, rather than in a person, rather than in a bank account, rather than in a hope of a salary, rather than in a relationship status, rather than in anything or anyone else, you are building your life on a solid foundation. Because your identity or security in anything or anyone else is going to let you down. That when you start to fight sin in your life, seriously, like Jesus taught us to fight sin. Remember what he said? If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He didn't mean that literally, but here's what he meant. Hey, if there's something in your life that is causing you to sin, figure out a way to get it out of your life because that sin is only going to lead to destruction in your life. We say it all the time around here. Sin will only kill good things in your life. It'll suffocate good things in your life. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you fight sin the way that I've taught you to fight sin, you're gonna be building your life on a solid foundation that will last rather than one that will lead to destruction. Listen and obey. I want Jesus to be savior and we need him to be savior, but we are missing it if we think that we can get by without treating him as Lord. You're leading yourself to a lot of pain and regret and destruction if you don't follow him and obey him as Lord. In fact, for some of you, here's a couple questions that might be helpful. If you surround yourself with people that only tell you what you want to hear, and you don't have a friend in your life to tell you the truth or the last 5% that nobody else wants to tell you, I guarantee you there are areas of your life that you're building on a sandy foundation. If there's even one area of your life, one little secret of your life that nobody else knows, if there's one area of your life that you're trying to keep separate from God, if there's one area of your life, if there's one desire in your life, if there's one hope or dream of your life that you know is separate than what God would want for you and you're just trying to keep that over here, I'm telling you, identify that because that is something, that is an area of your life where you are building on a foundation that's gonna come crashing down. What area of your life are you stiff-arming Jesus out of? You identify that area, you'll identify an area that you're building on sand. Here's one. Is there something that you tell somebody else to do that you don't even live out yourself? Is there some kind of judgment you've passed on a roommate and they don't know that you struggle with the same thing? You've probably got an area that you are building on sand. When I got married, a lot of things changed about me, one of which, what I watched on TV. I started watching a lot of things I never watched before, but I liked it. It was awesome. One of them being HGTV. I didn't even know HGTV was a thing. I had no idea. All I knew was SportsCenter and Disney Channel. I don't, like, that's all I knew. And Julie loves the like home improvement shows and all that stuff. So I, I started watching them with her when we first, actually it's when we first started dating. That's when your TV shows really start to change if you're serious. Um, just kidding. But they're so entertaining. You know, you've watched these shows. I mean, Chip and Joanna Gaines are literally taking over the world. You know, they're opening up a hotel. It's unbelievable. Um, but side note. But, but these shows, HGTV, um, there's all these different shows where there's all these home renovation shows. And, and you come in, and they got these, these families, and, and they're redoing their home, and they got these crews that come in. And it might be a home that they own. It might be a home that they're flipping. But it's pretty spectacular what they can do with these homes, you know? 
I mean, they can literally transform it from the inside out. And they're going in with like a checklist of all the things that, that they want to get done, you know, like open floor plan, you know, and vaulted ceilings and uh, hardwoods, you know, and you're like, you know, and, and, and marble and, and custom cabinets. And yeah, I want to open up this wall. I'd love to master bathroom, please. You know, and you're, you know, master on the main. And so you're just like, you're going through all these things that you want and all these things that you want, you know, that they want. And they're, you know, they're renovating and they're renovating and they're doing all this. They got a budget they got to stick to. They've got limited manpower and there's always a time crunch. But every now and then, you've seen these shows, the person, the contractor has to call the owners because there's like this uh-oh moment. And it's like, oh, I got to tell them about this. Every now and then, there's an episode where you learn that the foundation is bad. Every now and then, there's this moment where they had no idea how bad it was until they got in it and they realized the foundation is bad. And whenever the foundation is bad, whenever there's something wrong with the foundation, guess what? Everything else stops. Like when the foundation is bad, they're not calling saying, hey, Jennifer, listen, the foundation is bad, so do you wanna do the master bathroom or fix the foundation? It's not a question. Like when the foundation is bad, all work stops. When the foundation is bad, the budget is no longer an issue. What you did want doesn't matter anymore because all the resources, all the manpower, all the money, all the energy, and all the attention has to go into fixing the foundation because if you don't fix the foundation, eventually that house is going to come crumbling down. In fact, I saw one episode where they literally had to didn't even know this was possible. Jack up a house using cranes and these hydraulic pumps to fix the foundation. I thought somebody was gonna die on HGTV. Could you imagine that obituary? House fell on him. I mean like. <laughs> and it cost so much money and it wasted so much time, but they had to do it. And you know how it always could have been avoided? If the builder had built the foundation right the first time. If they had spent the energy and the time building the foundation right the first time, they wouldn't have had to waste all the energy, they wouldn't have had to waste all the resources, they wouldn't have to waste all the time, they wouldn't have to waste all that. They could have just kept going with the project had they just done it right the first time. Hear me. Please hear me. You are in a season of your life right now where you have more years ahead of you than you do behind you. Guess what? This is your time to build it right the first time. Right now. For some of you that are in college, this season of your life, you might not even be in college, but these years are formative and they are the launching pad into the rest of your life. And I don't care where you are or what you've done, you've got time to build the foundation right now. You've got an opportunity to build the foundation right now. That I don't want you to get 10, 15, 20 years down the road and start having to do the harder work, the more difficult work, the dirtier work to go back and fix the foundation that was jacked up when you could have built it up right the first time now. I want you to look back at your college years. I want you to look back at your time in your 20s when you were taking steps 
asking the difficult questions, surrounding yourselves with the right community, allowing Jesus to invade every area of your heart and of your life so that you can build your life on a foundation that will last. I want you to do it now, because you can do it later. There's always grace, but it's gonna be so much harder. And it's gonna be so much more painful. And there's gonna be a lot more regret and wreckage along the way, but if you started now, you can have a future that reflects this. So come on. Can we stop just expressing? Can we stop just talking? Can we begin to be about what Jesus called us to? And even though it didn't have to be this way, he decided to make it this way, that it actually, the thing that honors him the most is the thing that that's best for you. That's the kind of God that we serve. The thing that brings him the most glory is the thing that is best for you. So let's start building our lives on a foundation that will last. But another thing about these HTTV shows, they always have limited resources. They always have limited budget and they always have limited personnel. Do you know what God isn't? Limited. That he's got unlimited resources, he's got unlimited people and it's called the Big C Church and he's got unlimited power in your life and in mine if we would just let him work, if we would just step aside and say, do a work in me that I could not even imagine. So let's just stop talking about it and let's begin to be about it. Let's begin not only praising him as savior, but following him with all that we are as Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he's our example. Thank you that his teaching isn't just a matter of obedience. Yes, it is, but even more than that, you've, you've created this thing to where we actually benefit, that our lives are more fulfilling, that we experience healthier relationships, that we experience greater intimacy with you. So Father, I pray you would give every student in this room the courage to step out and surrender an area of their life that they've never surrendered before. Father, I pray that you would give every student in this room the courage to say yes to Jesus in a way that they've never said yes to Jesus before. And may that yes of obedience, may that step of obedience change them from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.